this boy standing over here. He just lets out the F word. All right, grab a Bible. Grab a Bible and turn open to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, and we'll begin in verse 1. Thank you, Miss Sherry. That was good. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1. And uh, I think most of you know this. Maybe some of you don't. I think some of you might, be, uh, might not know me that well. And I did not grow up in church. I said I didn't grow up in church like... I didn't actually go to church until regularly until I was about 14. And, and believe it or not, had no relation to why we have this building today. But I came to this church. We lived in LaGrange, and at 13 years old, I recognized that I had not been baptized, and I came to this building to be baptized. That was my sole purpose. I believed in Christ, uh, but my parents didn't go to church, my family didn't go to church, and I wanted to be baptized, and a friend had invited me here, and so I came here to be baptized. Parenthetical note, I won't even pass the plate a second time, but some of y'all need to be baptized, and you're just waiting, and I don't really know what you're waiting on. If you think I'm going to come down and take you by the hand and walk you down the aisle, I'm not. If you want to be baptized, you got to tell somebody you want to be baptized, and that uh, Christ is your Savior. Okay, that's the reason we get baptized. I came here for that reason. I believed in Christ. I wanted to be baptized. And so because I had not grown up in church, I had a very high view, a perception of Christian people. That when I came to church and then there were all these nice looking people and they were all friendly and they're all smiling and they're all wearing their Sunday best and they were all shaking hands and all the youth set up in the balcony and I asked my mom, can I? sit up in the balcony with all the youth group and she said sure and so I went up there and sat with everybody and they were all nice to me and I just had this high perception of church and church people and I got baptized and I was excited and I joined the youth group and everything was great and then one night Brad Rumor was the youth minister's name and we were here it was getting close to Christmas we were doing some Christmas thing and I was standing on the side of the stage right here and I was about 14 years old and the youth minister left he went out the back hallway and the moment he got out of earshot, I won't say his name because it's a small town, but this boy standing over here, he just lets out the F word. And I was just shocked. Like some of you even now, you're like, who would do that? That's what I thought. Like, who would do it? And then this other girl that was beside him started giggling. And I was mortified. And I said, why, why did you say that? And he kind of looked at me strange, and he goes, why, why wouldn't I? And I was like, I, I don't know how to answer. Why <laughs> We're in church? Oh, a crazy thought. And, and he said to me, I don't care that I'm in church. And then he said this, I don't want to be here. Now, from, get it, from my 14-year-old mind, I came here because I wanted to come get baptized. I, wanted, I believed in Christ. I wanted to come get baptized. When I came to church, I thought everybody, just my naive mindset, I thought everybody wanted to be here. But that's not really what I found out. What I found out over time was that some people go through the, they go through the religion portion because they feel obligated. Maybe they're not a 14-year-old or a 15-year-old that has to be in church because his mom and dad go to church. But maybe they're obligated in other ways. And what we find is that people find themselves obligated to do the religious thing, to do the right thing, but their heart's not in the right place. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We've got a very famous story. You probably all know the story already, but let's see what the Lord has for us. It's the story of Cain and Abel out of Genesis chapter 4. Now that was way too long of a story. If I was just giving you that time, it was way too long for you to find Genesis 4. You should all have 
Genesis 4 by this point. Do you all have it? And some of you are not as excited as I am, apparently. Okay, I have Genesis 4, and I'm excited about it, so let's read it together. Genesis 4, starting in verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me, uh, cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it, and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain lest anyone finding him should kill him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer about his word. Heavenly Father, we turn to you and only to you that we might understand your word this morning. And Father, we don't ask for theological knowledge alone. But Father, we want to know how your word applies to our lives. Father, we, we've just read a story of the first two brothers on the earth and one kills the other. How does that apply to us? And Father, we don't ask that in a generic way. I literally ask you in your son's name to speak to our hearts that we might hear from you and know what your word has for us. Father, your word says that we can do this. We can ask you for wisdom and that you will give liberally. Would you please give us wisdom in this place to, know, to understand your word, to know what it means for our lives and how to apply it. And Father, I want to beg you in Jesus' name that those who need to make a change in their life would do it. Father, we pray that no one would leave this place the same. How could we encounter you, our great God, and leave the same? Father, I pray that we would leave this place changed for you. In your son Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. All right, look with me at verse 1. Now, Cain, now, excuse me, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. Now, that's not hard to understand. Adam knew his wife. That's in the biblical sense of knowing. If you need more description than that, I'm not going to do it from the pulpit. I think you can figure it out. 
He knew her, and then they had a kid. I think we've got the process down, right? Okay, this is Adam and Eve's child. I believe that because of the way that it's worded, the way that Eve gets so excited. Do you see how she gets excited about Cain? She, we see here, now Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, and she said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Or with the help of the Lord, the Lord's given me a man with the, with the help of the Lord. And so she's excited about Cain. And then in the very next line we see in verse 2, then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. We don't really see anything said. The, the Bible does this really interesting thing in the first 11 chapters where we're kind of like rocketing through. And I'll show you some more of those as we go. But I mean, we are skipping large amounts of time, not skipping in the sense of like they weren't important, but skipping in the sense that God has a point. He's getting us somewhere. And so he's telling us, look, there's Adam and Eve. Now, remember where we came from in chapter 3. If you don't know, you could probably turn back in your Bible. You don't have to look. But if you want to, just look back. The heading would say the fall of man. Remember, we had creation of the world, and then we had man put in the Garden of Eden. Then we had the the serpent comes and tempted man, and, and men fell. We sinned. God said, don't eat of this tree. And mankind, starting with Eve and then Adam, they ate of the fruit, and they were deceived, and they sinned, and they brought sin into the world. Everybody with me? That's chapters 1, 2, 3. We're now in chapter 4. Directly after chapter 3, the fall of man, remember in the fall of man, what did we have? What was was told to the serpent? You're going to be cursed to your belly, right? And not only are you cursed to your belly, but there's going to be enmity between you and the seed of the woman. And you're going to bruise his heel, but what's he going to do? He's going to crush your head. He's going to bruise your head, talking to the serpent. There was a prophecy that the the woman would have a seed and that seed would kill the serpent. Everybody with me? That was was prophetical. God would one day, there would be a a child come from the woman and it was going to crush the head of the serpent. Now, get this with me. This is the first people on the earth. Adam and Eve, right? Shake your head yes, you didn't go to sleep yet. There was no midwife. There was no epidural. There were no nurses. There was no what to expect when you're expecting. Can you imagine just for a moment as Eve became pregnant and her body began to change and her belly began to grow and the things that are happening, she doesn't have any, she doesn't have a mama that she can call and say, mama, is this normal? She didn't have somebody that she can say, is this the way it's supposed to be? She's having to go through it, but experience it, but she doesn't have anybody to check through. Can you imagine the fear Have you ever thought about that, what would happen with Adam and Eve? Can you imagine like the first time they didn't know they were really supposed to make fire? And so they're sitting wherever they were, whether they had built a house or sitting in a cave. Could you imagine as the first night it goes down to freezing and they're probably weeping and crying on each other and hugging each other because they they didn't know that it was going to get that cold. Before they were in the garden, it was perfect. But now they're not in the garden. Sin's in the world and things aren't perfect anymore. And now there's pain and there's turmoil. And Adam, things are different for him. He's leaving every day and going to work. Can you imagine the first time they're eating an apple? Adam says, don't throw that apple core away. I need that. What do you need it for? I got to plant it. There's now work and things are different for them. And so Eve has become pregnant and she has this child. And so you can imagine when she's going through labor and there's no epidural and there's no pain blockers... That was probably a pretty traumatic experience. As a matter of fact, there weren't even any towels when the baby came out. You can imagine the mess of a baby that she's probably holding and she's probably weeping and she says, the Lord has given me a man. What do you think as she suffered all of that pain? What do you think is probably going through her mind? What God had said, there was a a seed coming who's going to crush the head of the serpent. 
She's probably got it in her head. This is, God's given me a man. Adam can't save us, but, but here's a man. And so she has Cain. And then look at this. Now that she has Cain, but in verse 2, she has Abel. She bore, she, uh, then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. Goodness, did you catch that? We just went through two kids, and they grew up, and now one's a shepherd and one's a farmer, and we, were, we just went one verse. Did you see that? It was Cain was born, then Abel was born. I don't understand why some people try to say they're twins. They're not twins. That's, it doesn't make sense to me to say they're twins. There was one, and then she bore again. That's a second time. She bore a second time. His name's Abel. And then in verse 3, what happens? One becomes a tiller of the ground, and one tends to the, to the flock. Where, how far did we jump? I don't know. Maybe that's 20 years, 25 years, 30 years. We're dealing with two adult men now. By the time we get to verse 3, we have two adult men. There's Abel and there's Cain. Now, if we can jump that much in time, you don't have to think very hard to wonder, how did we get other people? By the time we get to the end of this passage today, why is Cain worried about other people in the world? Well, obviously, because they're populating. Adam and Eve continued to have kids. They didn't just have two kids. Okay, they continued to have children. And now there's these two adult children, adult males. If you ask my opinion, I would tell you that Cain is the first born person on the earth. Adam was the first created person. I believe Cain was the first born person. If you tell me you don't believe that, there's kids before Cain, whatever, I don't care. Well, we, can, we can banter about more important things. The important thing to know is we have these two guys that they've obviously grown up and they know how to work, right? Shake your head, yes, right? They know how to work. One's tilling the ground and one's a shepherd. One's a farmer and one's a shepherd. Now, Moses, the guy who wrote this book, Genesis, Moses thought it was important to tell us that one is tilling the ground and one is tending to the flock. That was important to him because look what happens next. And in, the, in verse 3, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of, fruit, of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. That seems natural, doesn't it? Before, if you didn't have the rest of, of, of this chapter, does that not seem natural? They, they both grew up. They're raised in the same house. They were toddlers. They probably played and wrestled together, Cain and Abel. They didn't come out tillers and shepherds, right? They came out as babies. They grew up. They probably played together. They wrestled together. They grew up under the same family. They had the same mom and the same dad. They were taught the same way. And did you notice that not only did they both become workers, they both became worshipers? This is not, the story does not start out, Abel brought an offering to the Lord, but Cain refused. Are you, are you sticking with me for a second? Cain came for a reason. Why did he come to the Lord? He did something. In the process of time, what was Cain going to do? Bring an offering doesn't seem wrong, does it, for Cain to bring an offering? He, he obviously wants to worship God. Do you understand? Cain's not an atheist. He believes there is a God, and he's going to go worship that God, and so he's a tiller of the ground. Doesn't it seem natural that he would pick up some fruit, that he would bring the fruit? He works hard for that fruit. It's, it's not the Garden of Eden anymore. He worked hard to get that fruit. This was the, the labor of his hands and now he gathers that fruit up and he's going to bring it to the Lord. And what do we read? Happens in verse 4. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. You get the story? They both come to worship, but God says he doesn't respect Cain's offering. 
Why? That's the question everybody wants to know. Why did God not respect Cain's offering? I'm going to give you two reasons, and I'll help get you there. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews. Keep your finger in Genesis. We're not going to be done with Genesis, but go to Hebrews chapter 4. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, I'm sorry, chapter 11 and verse 4. I said Hebrews 4, but it's Hebrews 11 and verse 4. Hebrews 11 and verse 4. You there? I think we're mostly there. Hebrews 11 and verse 4. Listen to this. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gift, and, and, though, and through it, he being dead still speaks. Did you catch that? How did Abel offer a more acceptable sacrifice, a more excellent sacrifice? By faith. So the first thing that we learn here is this. Everybody pay attention. The reason Cain's offering was rejected is because Cain did not come in faith. Abel came by faith. I promise we're going to get somewhere and you're going to stick with me. And when we get to the end of it, you're going to say it all makes sense. Cain did not bring his by faith. Abel, Abel did. When Abel brought his by faith, God accepted it. Cain didn't bring his offering by faith and God rejected it. Everybody needs to pay attention to this. It is wonderful to do what is right, but doing what is good or doing what is right does not save you. Let me, let me make a point here. You ready for this? Is lying bad? Everybody say yes. Is lying bad? Yes. Are we encouraging anyone to lie? No, never. If someone says in their heart, I hate lying, maybe we'll put a backstory to that. Maybe their mom lied to them all the time. I dealt with that with a, with a young lady. Her mom just lied to her all the time. What if someone said, my mom lied to me all the time. I hate liars. As a matter of fact, Revelation 21.8 says that if you're a liar, you don't get to inherit the kingdom of God. Liars do not get to inherit the kingdom of God. That's biblical. So I hate liars. And someone says, I will never lie. Do they get to go to heaven? Do they get eternal life? Do they have a relationship with God because they chose not to lie? See, what if somebody's a good old American boy? What if he loves his wife and loves his mama and loves his kids and works hard and drives a Ford and whatever? I mean, so you don't like Ford or whatever, it doesn't matter, but you get what I'm saying? He's just a good old American boy. I wasn't picking on anybody, I'm sorry, I'm just saying, like, you get what I'm saying? He's just a good old American boy, he just loves his wife and he works hard all his life and he retires one day. Does he get to stand before God and say, I just tried to live a good life? Your salvation starts with faith. Cain didn't start with faith. Did he bring what was wrong? Somebody said to me, they said, Justin, you shouldn't say it that way. I, I spoke on this before years ago, and somebody said, Justin, you shouldn't say it that way because the law wasn't given yet. So Cain shouldn't have brought an offering of fruit because the law wasn't given yet. Well, if that's the truth, then later you need to tell Jacob that he was wrong when he poured out a drink offering to the Lord after he left with, uh, with his wives. Because the law wasn't given yet when Jacob poured out a drink offering, right? Does the Bible speak of bringing your goods, of bringing fruit or a wave offering or a grain offering? Absolutely. Those are given later by Moses. Did, did Cain do wrong by bringing fruit? No, there's not wrong to bring fruit. As a matter of fact, I'm going to say something really tough. You ready for this? More than most Christians are given today. We got a whole lot of people claiming to be Christians that don't want to give anything. You don't want to give your time. You don't want to give your money. You don't want to give up anything in repentance. You don't want to give up anything in your life. You just want to claim Christ and claim that you're a Christian. 
Listen, worship happens more than because you came and feasted. This is consumption. There's a whole other part of worship that happens when you give. Cain came and he had this offering. He had his fruit. He worked hard for his fruit. You think he came with, with nasty, rotten fruit? Did the Bible say that? Did he come with flies all swarming around? He's like, here, here's your fruit and throw it down. No. I bet you Cain came with the best fruit he had. But there's a problem. It didn't have faith. He didn't come to the Lord with faith. How do I know that? Because Hebrew says that by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. Now, there's another too, but we got to get to the next verse. So back in Genesis chapter 4, you with me? Genesis 4, and look at verse 5. But he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Now, just remember that Cain became angry because God rejected what he was giving. Because I'm going to say some stuff in a minute. And you're going to think I'm picking on you, but I'm not. So when you get mad and you call me later or send me your nasty email, I won't say it out loud, but know in my head I'm like, well, you just joined Cain. All right, so look, look. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. And so the Lord said to Cain, whoa, the Lord says to Cain. Are you catching that? God speaking to Cain. The Lord says to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? Does God not know why his countenance has fallen? Of course he knows. It's not, it's not, for, it's not God trying to say, hey, Cain, it's not like when I'm talking to my kids, like, hey, why are you upset? No, God knows exactly why he's upset. He's trying to get Cain to recognize it. And he says, hey, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? Now look, pay attention to this. It's in verse 6. Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? Stop. Before we go further, do you, if you do well, will you not be accepted? God speaking to Cain, God says, Cain, don't you know this? If you do right, if you do well, if you do what is good, will it not be accepted? Wait, I thought we already dealt with this. Was it wrong for him to bring fruit? No, he was not wrong for bringing fruit. What did he miss? Faith. What should his faith have led him to? Are you all ready for this? You've got to stick with me. He should have brought something to die. Now, God's already taught this with Adam and Eve. Remember Adam and Eve? They had some stuff from the ground. They had some fig leaves. They sold them together. Did the fig leaves work? Did God say, I accept your fig leaves? No. At the, as a matter of fact, think of the layout that Moses gave to us here. God inspires Moses to give it in this order. We end chapter 3 with what? Chapter 3, we end with God making a skin covering for Adam and Eve, an animal died and he took a skin and he covered them with it because their fig leaves would not do. And we pick up in chapter 4 with the story about Cain and Abel and Cain brings his fruit and God doesn't accept his fruit from the ground. Why didn't he bring his fruit from the ground? Because it wasn't by faith. Are you ready for this? Because faith should lead to obedience. Cain should have brought an offering the way that God had taught him to in Genesis 3. Cain should have... Cain, we, he's an adult now. Did he learn how to make sacrifice from Adam and Eve just like Abel did? Yes. How come Abel knows how to make a right sacrifice, but Cain doesn't? Because Cain knows exactly how to make a right sacrifice. But he didn't do it. So God says to Cain, Cain, if you do well, won't you be accepted? It should have started with a blood sacrifice, a sacrifice of something dying. Why? Everybody pay attention to this. Because the Bible's very clear throughout all the pages of Scripture. The wages of sin 
is death. Do you get that? The wages, the thing you earn. When you sin, what does your sin earn? Death. The wages of sin is death. Something should have died, but Cain said, I don't want to go that way. I don't want to kill something. I don't know why he said he didn't want to kill something. I read all these people speculating all these wild ideas why Cain didn't want to kill something. I don't know why Cain didn't want to kill something. He just didn't want to kill it. That's what I do know. And he refused to do it. So he did it his own way. He brought some fruit from the ground because that felt good. That's what he worked for. He wanted to do it his own way. Now, everybody's got to hear this. You ready? You don't get to come to God your own way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. If you want to God, you have to go through Christ. You can't come your own way. Now, you ready? I told you I was going to make you mad, and I am. Some of you are going to get real mad at me, and that's good. You can't come by baptism. I talked about baptism at the very beginning. You ought to be baptized, but are you ready for this? That baptism does nothing if you don't have faith in Jesus first. It's just water. It's just water, and you just got wet in front of everybody. And it's kind of weird without faith, too. Without faith, what were you doing? But you see, what happens is this. That feels good. That feels like I've done something. There's a physical thing there. You ready? I'm going to take it further. That's why we have some Christians, Christians as well, and they love speaking in tongues because speaking in tongues makes you feel like you're doing something holy. And I'm not done. That's why we got people rubbing beads because it makes you feel like you're doing something. And they're lighting candles because it makes you feel like you're doing something. I promise you, I was witnessing to a woman. I was trying to share the gospel with her. I said, what do you believe about Jesus? Her reply to me was this. She said, I just did a labyrinth walk. What is, what? I didn't really even know what it was. I had to go look it up. It was a labyrinth walk. What are you talking about? I had another woman. She's, she's a, a lovely Christian woman, but I don't agree with what she was saying here. She said, she said, every Christian, as a matter of fact, I don't even know if you can be a Christian if you don't take an Emmaus walk. I don't know if any of you have heard the Emmaus walks or not. I don't, they're kind of secretive. I can't find a whole lot out about them. People just keep telling me, well, you've got to go on one. I'm like, I, you ain't going to get me to do a whole lot without telling me what I'm doing. But anyways, whatever. So she said, she said you've got to go on an Emmaus walk. But you listen to me. Listen, your Emmaus walk is worthless without faith. You're trying to be obedient. You're trying to do something that makes you feel holy. So you got baptized, or maybe you read the Bible. Maybe you came to church. Maybe you did an Emmaus walk or a labyrinth walk. Maybe you rubbed some beads or lit a candle. None of it will do anything if you don't believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. It gets you nowhere. All you end up with is a whole bunch of weird stuff that you did. You lit some candles or you got in the water or you went on some walk or maybe you said some prayer in some certain way and you thought that that did something. But you listen to me. There's no prayer that you can say in any certain way. There's no magic incantation. There's nothing that you can repeat over and over that will ever save you. There is one way to God and it is his son Jesus. And what happens is this. That threatens me. Because I want to do something. Especially when I find out that I am such a sinner. Because when I find out I'm a sinner, I want to fix that. And you know what God says to you? You can't because you're the sinner. The only thing you can do is put your faith in Christ who did it all for you. Oh, is obedience good? Is baptism good? Yeah, I'm not knocking baptism. I told you at the beginning I want you to be baptized. But I don't want to baptize just anybody. I want to baptize you because you put your faith in Christ first. Faith leads to obedience. Obedience doesn't lead to faith. Was Cain wrong for bringing fruit? No, he could have brought fruit if he had first brought blood. 
Something has to die because the wages of sin is death. He went backwards. And so he started out with obedience and he's tried to say, look, is he worshiping? He was worshiping. Did he come before God? He did. Did he bring something? He did. But it didn't amount to anything because he didn't have faith. And God says to him, look, you know this. Does God say, get out of here, Cain. You brought me fruit. He says, if you do well, you got, a chance to, you got a chance to make this right, Cain. If you do well, you know you'll be accepted. You know what to do that's right. Do that first. He didn't say, I, I hate you, Cain, get out of here. You're not, even, you're not even one of Adam's anymore. No. He said, if you do right, if you do well, you'll be accepted. But then look what the warning is. You ready? Look at the warning. It's in verse 7. If you do well, will it not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you. What a scary thought. I want to say something to you and I want you to really gather this. If you don't choose to follow Christ, you are against him. And sin, I want you to hear this, sin lies at your door. People all the time do exactly the thing they thought they would never do. Do you think a year before this happened, do you think Cain, do you think Cain and Abel were, were fighting all the time? Did they hate each other? I bet, I bet Eve probably had another child and they were probably all in the same room together talking about the new baby and the new baby's name and you know, what area they were going to try to help her to grow up in. Don't you think that Cain and Abel probably had some good times together? Do you think that if you talked to Cain a year ago, was he premeditating murdering his brother a year later? No, if you'd have talked to Cain a year ago, he would have said, I would never. No, I love Abel. That's my brother. We grew up together. Listen to me. Sin lies at the door and it'll make you do the thing you never thought you would do. Because here's this, here's this problem inside of you and me. We have sin. We have this sin nature inside of us. And you would never walk out of these doors in church and think, I would go do something vile or awful. But do you hear me? If you don't follow Christ as your Savior, you're dependent totally on your own strength. And when sin pounces, that's the picture that's given here. Sin lies at the door. That Hebrew word literally means to crouch, to prowl. Sin is, is prowling. It is looking for you. And the moment that it has an opportunity to pounce on you, it will. And if you don't have Christ on your side, then you don't get to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're depending on your own strength. And on your own strength, on your own reliance, what do we see? What do we have? Well, we see it with Cain in verse 8. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass that as they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Cain takes his brother out into the field and they begin to talk together and Cain rises up and kills his own brother. Now stop and think about that. For whatever reason, he's refusing to shed the blood of an animal, but he'll shed the blood of his brother. And this is not blunt force, tra- blunt force trauma. I, I remember somebody gave me a, a movie one time and it has, had a depiction of Cain and Abel and Cain like stood up with a rock and he hit his brother real hard and Abel fell over. Well, the Bible says that the blood of his brother cried out to the Lord from the ground. 
If it was but with a rock, as some people like to say, I know a lot of people try to use that analogy right now. They're like, well, Cain killed his brother with a rock. Well, if it was with a rock, he hit him a whole bunch because his blood was spilled out all over the ground. And I'd ask you this question. Why in the world is Cain mad at Abel? It's not Abel that rejected his sacrifice. It's not like Cain came to Abel and said, hey, let's take the Lord some fruit. And Abel said, no, 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 I don't want to take any fruit. I'll take up my flock. I'm the one who tends the, to the flock. So I'll take the flock, you take the fruit. Abel has not done anything to Cain. But Cain, in his anger for the Lord, attacks his own brother and murders his brother. I heard a pastor, I was listening to some sermons this week, and I heard a pastor say it this way, and I thought it was, I thought it was pretty interesting. He said, you could almost hear Cain say, you want blood, I'll give you blood. And he kills his own brother. And look, look. This is verse 9. And the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? You know what we call that in my house? Sass. Did you catch what he just did? Of course he knows exactly where his brother is. His brother is right where he left him. His brother didn't have any life left in him. He killed his brother and left him in the field. God comes to Cain and says, Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And Cain says to God, we are talking about God, the one who created Adam and Eve and the whole world, spoke with Cain and said, if you do well, it'll be accepted. That God. And Cain says to him, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? Do you know what you're seeing out of Cain right now? I want everybody to get this. He's refusing to repent. Why did God come to Abel the first time, or Cain the first time? Remember, we, we already answered this. Why did God come to Cain? Because he didn't know why Cain was upset? Of course he knew why Cain was upset. He came to Cain and asked Cain so that Cain would have a chance to answer. Right? He needed Cain to, to acknowledge it. Look at this again. Did Cain go to God? Was he bringing a sacrifice to say, I've sinned? No. Look, God came to Cain and said, where's your brother Abel? Did God not know where Abel was? Of course he knew where Abel was. He says in a moment, he says, his blood is crying out to me from the ground. God knew exactly where Abel's body was, but he was giving Cain another chance to repent. And Cain says, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? So look at this. It's in verse 10. He said, what have you done? God said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened up its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond you shall be on the earth. So God pronounces a, a curse on Cain. Look at what Cain does. Check this out in verse 13. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Dude just killed his brother. I mean, number one, okay, life lesson, should have thought about that, right? <laughs> it's a little late to be bringing that up now, okay? You killed your brother, and he says here, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Someone said to me, they said, Justin, you pictured Cain all wrong. The Cain, was, Cain was repentant. No, he wasn't. He was regretful. He was not repentant. Repentance means something. Is everybody paying attention with me? Repentance means to have a change of mind. 
I'm not supposed to think about that thing the same way that I used to. I literally, I don't even want to do it. What I used to want to do, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do something different. I want to live for the Lord. I want to be His. But Cain doesn't show any repentance. He doesn't say, I'm sorry for what I've done or I let my anger get a hold of me. He didn't make any excuses at all. No, all he said to God was this. I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? And then when God gave him a punishment, he said this. My punishment's greater than I can bear. You see, true repentance, true repentance leads to a difference in your life, a change in your life. Cain didn't want a change in his life. As a matter of fact, according to what he's saying here, he wishes he could still till the ground. He still wishes he could plant his gardens. And look, Cain said, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground, and I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a, vag a vagabond on the earth, and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. Did you notice the things that Cain added? God gave Cain a curse, and he said, the ground is going to be cursed. It's no longer, you, it's opened up its mouth to, to swallow your brother's blood, so you're no longer going to, have, to be able to till the ground and it yield any fruit to you, right? And then he said, you're going to be a fugitive and a, a vagabond, right? That's what God said. Look at what Cain adds. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out, uh, sh uh, surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. True, God said that. I shall be hidden from your face. God did not say that. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. God did say that. It will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. God did not say that. See, this is, what, this is what happens outside of church. This is what happens with the rest of the world, and I need everybody to get this. The rest of the world has the wrong picture of God. Did God drive Cain away from his face? He said, the ground's no longer going to yield its fruit to you. Did God say that I'm going to let anyone who finds you kill you? No. As a matter of fact, when Cain says that, God, we're going to wrap up the story with this. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken upon him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. God sets a mark on Cain so that nobody would kill Cain. Now, I want to, I want to end with this today. Do you want to know why God didn't let Cain die? Why didn't God just kill Cain for what Cain had done? I don't have this in my notes here, so I'm going to have to turn with you. Turn over in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 33. Look at Ezekiel chapter 33. And I sure hope I remember my reference right and that it's verse 11, or I'm going to have to read for a second. But I'm pretty sure it's Ezekiel 33 and 11. The Lord is good to me. <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> Ezekiel 33 and verse 11. Look. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die? And of course, he's talking to Israel, and he says, O oh, Israel. God did not kill Cain in that day, and I know exactly why God didn't kill Cain in that day. The same reason why God came to Cain and asked him a question. Because God gave Cain a chance to repent. As a matter of fact, do you want to know how much more sinful Cain was after he killed his brother? He was equal. He was equally as sinful as he was before he killed his brother. 
You say, that's not right. He's a murderer now. Yeah, that's true. He's a murderer now. And before, you know what he was? He was a sinner. He was a sinner before he killed his brother, and he was a sinner after he killed his brother. And God didn't take his life because God doesn't take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, but he gives the wicked a chance to repent over and over and over again. And you say, sir, you're telling me that God would give Cain a chance to repent? Absolutely, God would give Cain a chance to repent. Did Cain repent? No, later he's linked with the devil. He refused. As a matter of fact, you're going to read the next portions that we read as we go through Genesis, the next portions that we read, you will see that Cain goes on with his life rebelling against what God's told him to do, going ahead and trying to build cities and build families, and he's going to go on with his whole life. And you know what you'll never see in Cain's villages and in Cain's line? A priest or someone who worships God because Cain rejected God. Are you catching this story Here's a murderer. The first two men on the earth that are born, first, first two born men on the earth, one murders the other. And God immediately is giving him the chance to repent. He didn't kill him in that day. He set a mark on him and said, anybody who kills Cain, anybody who kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him. Why? Because God obviously didn't want Cain to die yet. Because God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Will you hear this as we close? God wants you to repent. He wants you to turn to Him. He wants you to repent of your sins. He's made a way for you to do that. As a matter of fact, the same way He made for Cain. Why wasn't Cain's fruit accepted? Because Cain didn't bring a blood sacrifice. Something didn't die first. All your obedience is for naught. It's all worthless. Be as good of a person as you want to be. Love your wife. Love your neighbor. Be, be wonderful. Don't lie and don't cheat and don't steal. Pay your taxes. And if you don't have Christ, it's all for naught. God has made a way for you. He sent his own son Jesus to die for you and rise for you. And if you'll believe in him, he forgives you for your sins. And then you come and be baptized. Then you come and pray to him and you get involved in church and, you, and your life is changed. But it doesn't happen until you put your faith in Jesus who has died for you. We started this story today by talking about Cain and I pointed out to you the fact that Cain came to worship. Will you hear this? There's plenty of Cain's in the church today. There's plenty of people who've come to church. Maybe even in here right now. You've come. You've done the thing, right? You sat in the pew. I mean, it's, we got old wood pews. That's holy, right? And didn't you do the right thing? You sang the song. Some, you didn't stuck your hand up. What good will that do if you do not know Christ as your Savior? God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but he's giving you a whole nother chance, even right now, to turn to him. So we're going to stand up now and we're going to pray. So everybody stand up and we're going to pray. And you have a chance right now. If you need to make your life right with the Lord, he's giving you the chance to do it. Make it right with him. Heavenly Father, God, we turn to you in the name of your son, Jesus. And we first of all want to say thank you that you would ever hear us. Thank you, God, that we could look into your word and that we could see from you that you offer to forgive us even the worst of us. Father, thank you that there's no sin that is too great for you. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus' blood is powerful. And thank you, Lord, that you came because you love the entire world and that whosoever believes in you would not perish but have everlasting life. So, Lord, we pray to you right now in Jesus' name and ask you for this time of invitation. And if somebody in this building or watching online needs to make a decision for you, Father, I pray that you'd give them the strength and the courage and the will to do it.
Lord, we don't deserve your goodness, and that's why it's called grace. Thank you for your grace, and thank you for your mercy. So may your name be glorified, even in this time of invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.